0: So dead.
1: Dead. We all go a little,
0: hey, little mad All yeah, right.
2: right. You're you're
1: Hello and welcome to the Horror Hour. And uh, today I'm really excited. I'm one of the co-hosts, Utaka, and I've got we've got Toby Poser, John Adams, and Trey. I'm already bad because I just forgot your last name. I'm so oh, sorry, Trey Lindsay. No, Trey problem. Lindsay. Um, yeah. And we're going to talk about their film Hellbender, which um, just recently premiered on Shudder. And I've actually been watching a lot of the reviews, and I have to say, everyone, myself included loved it. So I'd love to know how has that reception been to you all?
3: So wonderful. And so inspiring. And we're super thankful and grateful. And it's great to learn what people are liking and also what people maybe would like to see us to improve on. So it's uh, been a wonderful ride. And you know, we're taking all that fuel. And, you know, gonna try to make a movie that's better, you know, so it's a great experience.
1: So I'd love to know what about horror just said, yeah, I, I wanna do this.
2: Oh man, I can't wait to hear what Trey says, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll dip my foot in. Uh, for me, I love to think of horror as a way to give breath to a nightmare. I love, we all have have these fears and i think that's nightmares serve the purpose of having a safe battleground to exercise or you know rehearse how you're going to deal with those fears and for me horror it fulfills a similar purpose i i I love to um i love how horror challenges normalcy and safety and and how are you gonna you know how are you gonna get through that
0: that trey well, I'm I'm a little different in the sense that I've been a monster kid from the beginning. So I've been a horror net since, <laughs> since birth. Um, okay. Yeah. So, and, and if anything, my, my nervousness about, um, they're so talented and so amazing in the films I make. I'm, I, sometimes I get nervous that I'm going to be a bad influence of like, I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, this reminds me of this film. And I don't want them to start changing their method because I'm, you know, I point out, um, you know, historical sort of horror films or, or moments that might remind me of of other stuff. So, uh but you know, it's just been great to kind of participate and be I think one of the things that's exciting to me as a horror fan is that um they, you know, they came from an indie drama film background. So, mm-hmm. there's as opposed to generations of indie filmmakers that grew up on horror that want to recreate what they saw as kids, they're coming from a totally different place where they want to they're, they're starting from the from a family drama place and then delving into horror rather than trying to replicate stuff they've seen before, which I think is where a lot of their originality comes from and, and part of what makes everything they do feel so fresh and exciting. So that's the part I love about it. Yeah, for me, one one of the things about the dramas
3: that we made is we really felt we were anchored to reality because mm-hmm. that's you know, we were trying to show real people going through real issues and that was really fun. But artistically and creatively, it kind of confines you to a place and once we tried a horror movie, we realized how much freedom just got poured over our heads. And furthermore, the horror crowd is an exceptional group of people <laughs> that are very fun to create for and create with. That's- I, yes, I, I would have to say we're, we are
1: also very new to the podcasting and all this. Um, this was something that was birthed out of COVID, but. I mean, I grew up on horror. I remember seeing Alien when I was six years old. I shouldn't have been, but I was. Um, and so I've always loved it. And yeah, the horror community is just very welcoming. But you guys also put out, I mean, this film, when when the screeners came in and I sat down and watched it, uh, it took me like 10 minutes after I finished. And I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's so beautiful one I'd love to first before I talk more about or get into maybe the meanings behind the film but I'd love to know the color palette and why uh, because I loved the cool tones unless until we saw Hellbender the band perform or when we saw certain more devious sequences but I, I just loved that that contrast and if that was part of when you were coming up with the making of the film you wanted to go that route.
3: First time we've ever been asked that question and that means a lot to us because you put your eyes on something that was really important to us and you know, basically we wanted to show that these hellbenders were beyond human. They were slightly above human. That's mentally, spiritually, in all ways. And one of the ways to show that was to completely saturate their visions. So when the audience saw it, they were like, Oh, like it's ultra color, it's ultra real. It's like it's beyond real. And that's why those visions are so saturated with color, and why their real life, their regular life, is kind of um, cold mm-hmm. and, and and kind of like toned down. Like, um, we love that. We love playing with color, and you're the first person who's brought it up, so thank oh, you. It's one
1: of the, I loved it. I thought it was just, it was gorgeous. I, I love being able to say that about a horror film, but the, it, it just simply was, I was just, I was eating that up. Oh, great. <laughs> Um, then speaking- Were you doing
3: that pun on purpose?
1: (laughs) No, I, but but it does kind of lead into my next question because I kind of want to, well, I'll actually, I'll save that one because I want to dissect a shot, which now that also is a pun. I just realized that that's terrible. (laughs) Um, But I'd love to know um, with horror in the year of 2021 for each of you, what was um, your favorite moment in terms of what you may have saw Maybe okay, a trend, or just just something that just uh, surprised you. Let's go with
3: that. Trey, what do you say?
0: oh that's a tough call. Um, 2021. in twenty twenty one. So, I mean, honestly, it's it's there's a lot of surprising films. I think twenty twenty one was interesting because we were all stuck inside and we were all watching movies. Right. Um, but I think the thing that I'm actually most excited about is to see what the films that come out of the COVID lockdown are going to be. And Hellbender is one of the first. But just like um, Alone With You was another film yeah. um, that recently came out that kind of addresses uh, the lockdown and COVID and isolate, just the idea of isolation um, as a metaphor that suddenly everybody understands as opposed to just a select few before. So I think um, just seeing what kind of – Art comes out of such a, you know, a, a stressful year for all of us is going to be exciting. So it'd be hard for me to pin down one thing for 2021, because a lot of the movies I watch are like older films and everything else too, not necessarily released that year. Okay. But I'm so excited to see what the new stuff is. It's going to spring out of the past year of, of kind of craziness.
2: <clears throat> I have to mention the film that a lot of people talk about, but <laughs> what the hell? Um, Julia (gasps) do Cornell's.
1: Oh, yes. Just
2: just, like ran over me. If we want to use the (laughs) pun. I adore that film. And and because I, I can, I can see it a different way every time. And I just, I love I love her chutzpah, you know, and I think that movie is so original and shocking and beautiful and painful and so many different things. And yet Fucking weird. And how can you be so make me feel so much and be weird at the same time?
1: I I can't even explain that film to other people because it sounds so batshit insane, but it's one of the (laughs) best films I've ever seen. I was just and to see like it's mm, love that one.
3: (laughs) Well, that's a good one. I have to say this year we, we so we did a bunch of festivals, so we got to see a lot of the two 2021 films that were on the festival circuit and the one that most impressed me and it really got me thinking and it's influenced our next movie that we're working on right now is a movie called The Sadness. And I have to say that the reason it impressed me because the violence was so organic and real and and relentless and brutal. And I was impressed because it was so relentless and brutal that it became beautiful. And um, the, so I'm gonna go with, cause it's really influenced what we're doing right now. Not that we're just gonna be make some slasher splatter movie right now, but we, the bar has been raised on exceptional genuine violence and it was really cool.
1: I've not seen the sadness, so I'm gonna have to search that out. That sounds fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't wait to actually see, uh, hear what you think. Oh, I'm so excited. I. Ooh.
2: And you it, can we ask you, like, what, can we turn it back on you? Yeah,
1: um, there were two moments that really stood out for me. One, because I think it was just so divisive, and that was malignant, because I personally thought it was crazy and loved it. Also, I enjoy a filmmaker being able to, like, go to a big studio and say, this is the movie I want to make, and you're going to give me my money. And oh. I was like, good for you, man. Um, and then I would also have to say... Um, VHS 94 was just a film because it had so many different uh, you know I loved each of the directors and but Chloe Okuno's Storm Drain the way that it just was so claustrophobic and then just at the very end just takes this weird crazy wild turn I just I loved it and I, I enjoy a good monster movie every now and then and Hail Rotma trended for days and people putting in their own artistic spins on it was probably one of the funniest things. And I was like, I hope that just means you're watching the film. And then, um, because Shudder's put out so many great films and that's why I was also happy to see, I mean, your movie is in great company, but I'm glad to see Shudder just champion, you know, your film as well.
3: We love Shutter. We love the we love the viewers at Shutter, and we love the Shutter company itself. It's a we're so thankful that we're in with that crew. Um, it's a great it's a great group to be a part of. Uh,
1: I guess uh, what I'd also like to know then, just as you all continue to make movies, since you all um, certainly, I think John and Toby do different roles. And Trey, I'd like to know if you plan to also venture into new territories as well. What do you guys hope to do on um, future films that's not something that's in your normal wheelhouse? Mm,
0: Nice. That's
2: a good question. Yeah, so we are working on a new film. In fact, just behind this wall, we were shooting all day. That's why we've got Trey with us. um, And he was doing some great uh bloody
3: (laughs) a la the sadness
2: (laughs) uh, um, some some great stuff and uh and yes so our new film is called when the devil roams and we're exploring a different kind of horror we're we're trying to explore body horror in that it's a lot about um bodies and, and pieces and how do you put them back together
3: and in so doing we have to kind of once again like Invent our own myth and our own magic. It, it's not going to be like the witch's myth and magic. It's kind of a different set of rules, and and that's been really fun to explore. Is like you know, Frankenstein is um, as actually Trey puts it best because I'm
0: kind of copying. I'm um, um. Say um, it, Trey.
3: Say say your smart stuff.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things I I love about John and Toby's and Zelda's films is that they um. Uh, even though even within the horror genre, they're doing different subgenres with each film, so they're not repeating mm-hmm. themselves. The, the deeper you dig, was this wonderful kind of Yankee Gothic ghost story. Um, uh, Hellbender is definitely you know a witchy occult film. This one's just as different as those two are from each other. The one that we're working on now, and it's much more of a uh, of a. I, I jokingly said it's it's sort of like a Texas chainsaw meets Bonnie and Clyde with a touch of Frankenstein in it. It's it's great and 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 it again a whole different genre and it and you were asking about what we were looking forward to doing differently and like one of the things that's exciting as an effects guy um, is you know deeper you dig I was doing a lot of supernatural ghostly sort of effects or whatever this one is is filled with practical makeup effects and stuff that. Um, it's stuff that I always used to do, I, you know, I, I do on my own, but it, like to be able to like kind of concentrate on that just for their film is it, it, doing a lot of practical stuff is so much fun. Um, and, I, and it's, you know, practical stuff combined with computers tends to, to bring what I think looks the best on screen and never feels completely artificial. And, and um, it's just fun to be able to kind of, you know, have them let me play in their sandbox, too. So it's great. That sounds, oh, that sounds very
1: gory. Um And so I'm already sold, but <laughs> I, that sounds just, that sounds devious. I like that.
3: Ooh, devious is nice. the best word. We're stealing it and using it. We're going to be great By all and,
2: means. for that
3: because it is a little devious. And, it that's, is. Okay, and so that's one of the struggles about making this next movie is like this family are serial killers but how do you get the audience to enjoy the serial killers? Like how you got to give them a reason. You got to still make the audience love them because they are this lovable family, but they are serial killers. So it's really fun to, we have to keep thinking about like, we got to make them lovable because you can't just, <laughs> you can't just kill people. That's not fun. You got to, well, I mean, that's fun. It is fun, <laughs> but It's it's more fun if, if the audience is like, oh my God, she just did something terrible and I still love her.
1: Well, you got to be able to connect with your characters. I mean, yeah. uh, well, we'll actually dive into Hellbender then because that's kind of the perfect segue because one of the things that, I think you guys have three themes that at least I could pick up on that I really loved. Obviously how secrets can break a family, um, but also the ability of, well, knowing your identity, but also being free. And Mm. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, I didn't think I would relate to Mother as much as I would, but I mean, I think she's doing the best what she can want to prevent what's been, was thrust upon her for her own daughter. And I would be curious to know, like, what did you all take away from making this film?
2: <clears throat> cool question, yeah. I think that um, I I I love to think that that mother, that some people can sympathize with mother, and I like to think that some people too are like, no, she shouldn't be starving her daughter of of her nature. I like to think that, um, well, for me personally, what I take away is that is that life is really hard for humans and hellbenders, and I like I like to think that you know. I love movies where the aliens are are, are um, compassionate. You you feel you feel something for something for the other. So I like to think that uh, when I walk away from this, I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's it's fucked up. We do fucked up things for love, mm-hmm. and uh, and I and I still believe that.
3: Yeah, I take away the whole idea of protective, like the I, the the question of protective lies mm-hmm. and whether. You know, it, they're complicated. Any lie is complicated, mm-hmm. and but the mother does do protective lies for a lot of good reasons. And ultimately, just like Toby said, through love. Mm-hmm. But still, even when the movie's over, when I watch the movie, I still don't know who I. You know, if you had to, if you have to be in somebody's camp, I still don't know whose camp I'm in. And, and oh, yeah. because of the idea of um, protective lies, it really comes down to that to me, which is. Is, is that a good idea ever?
1: That No, that's, it's very true. I mean, I really, like I said, I had to ponder what I sat and watched. I, I don't know whose camp I would be in because I, I, I could see both sides. Um, Well, except I, I do feel bad for one character. And I would like to kind of talk about this scene because this was a, it was shot so beautifully. And I want to know how all this came together. The dream sequence with mother, um izzy and then of course um there well amber that was
2: just
1: <laughs> was beautiful like that scene that's that's the one where i was like uh i had way too many puns and i didn't even realize but ah. that scene i would just like to know how it was shooting that scene and then the effects with that as well
2: that was a lot of fun because we were visiting lulu in the in the pacific northwest where she was living Um, Since it was COVID and Zelda was um, remote schooling anyway, we got a trailer and we just traveled around the country and we were shooting a lot all over the United States. And so we got to visit Lulu out in Oregon. And so on the coast, actually, that was the Washington coast. Um, We put her on this table and... You know, it was this big, long beach with a big, long break. But this sneaker wave came in and practically, you know, it just blew her away. We all had to run with the camera and everything. And she's just left on this table. Um, and, and when we it, got up on the dunes, I
3: turned to Toby and I said, it's great that our kid's a surfer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny. We used the beach because of the massiveness of it and because we we can't we can't afford like studios and things like that. So we used the the whiteness of the blowout of the beach as the backdrop. And so it really worked really well for us because they're sitting in negative space. And it makes it this vision. And um, it's Trey taught, Trey taught us Trey, we were we were 3000 miles away from Trey. So we talked a lot about how to do these kind of things. And he taught me something special about that. What Lulu is in that scene is a big driftwood log with tons of chocolate syrup poured all over her and then her in a bikini and then composited together. And it really looks that log really does. Oh, oh no. And I also found a big fish spine. So I stuck the fish spine into the driftwood log and that (laughs) kind of sells it.
1: What? that? That is, oh, that's wicked. It is wicked. And Zelda
2: it, was eating just like white wonder bread, you know, kind dipped of in, you know, seeped in uh, steeped in chocolate sauce.
1: Yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes. It was just visually striking and I was curious how you all pulled that off. I
3: just it was mm. Ooh, good. I'm <laughs> glad you <laughs> like it. I, we loved that one and it was fun to shoot.
1: Um, so I guess then really, um, I would like to know how this tale came about. Um, I believe Toby, this has more personal meaning, um, to you.
2: Yeah. And I guess this kind of goes with what you were asking before, like how I kind of understand why, what people do to, for love or to protect their kids. So my, yeah, so my mom, um, died, a, a few years ago, and we knew she was going to slip away pretty quickly and right before she did, she told me that I was donor conceived that the father I had known for fifty years was not my biological father he's still my father, and the most mm-hmm. wonderful he's he's passed away a long time ago but uh but I had an I came from a different seed, and you know wondering where <laughs> from whom that seed came was was a pretty wild trip um you know it was fun to giggle and say things like oh you know what if what if he was the milkman no what if he was uh you know an axe murderer what if he oh, was- God. <laughs> so you know we were going there and then we thought oh you know what we've always wanted to explore this concept of a hellbender because we had our band hellbender already and we said let's create our own mythology of the hellbender and and you can and I can understand why my parents um, protected me from that knowledge. In fact, I have a number of half siblings now and all of their parents have protected them from that knowledge and I get it. Um, But then there are lies that you you have to come to terms with too and rehash everything you've known. So it's it's a delicate balance.
1: Interesting. Well, uh, I guess then also, uh, you know, I kind of would like to know if, was the ending always, well, we are talking spoilers in a sense. Was this ending always planned? Because I kind of saw it going a different way. Um, And I'm curious, did you have other endings thought out or this was the route you wanted to take?
2: Oh, we had definite other endings. And we called Trey a number of times and said, Trey, we originally we wanted the hellbenders to be related, be descendants from the ancient um, Libyan serpent goddess called Lamia, okay. and they were. And so I thought, oh, maybe their their jaw should unhinge like a snake and they should be able to eat like a dog and then eventually a human and oh my god we had so much fun talking to trey i thought let's, let's like crack one of amber's bones and make a needle out of it and her intestines will be thread and i'm gonna sew izzy's mouth shut with it the bad <laughs> hellbender and so we used to call and ask him you know all this kind of
0: stuff it was it was great and and and, and we probably would have even been more ambitious in that sense we were, but with COVID there was that element of like, we couldn't even be half the time. We weren't even on the same coast. They were, they were pulling into McDonald's parking lots and borrowing the Wi-Fi to send me shots. And then I would send them shots to review. And it was, it was really kind of uh, ridiculous, but we would have like these conversations once a week where we could talk like these, you know, not only to do with the next shot, but even talk about stuff like the ending and, and things like that. So it was really fun to just be a little part of that. It was tough, the ending. And and I
3: think that maybe if we had all been together and maybe if it was a different situation, we would have gone for a different ending. But the ending that we came up with happened because Zelda made it happen with a statement. And when it came out, we were, we were shooting kind of right before the ending and, and we just went into that, Zelda said something and it was like, oh, that's the ending. That's the ending of the movie. That's so beautiful. And, and that was that. We, we nailed it that night and walked up and, and it was kind of like this wonderful relief because it, it didn't require a big effect. It didn't require a big boom. It required a statement and, and it was done. Wow.
1: Uh, you know, as we're talking, I, I didn't realize that originally this was shot during COVID. And so uh, how was that as filmmakers? <clears throat>
2: It was pretty actually, and uh, I mean, as horrible as COVID has been for many, it, it, it did encourage us to go back to our very humble and um, intimate roots, mm-hmm. because we had a bigger film plan, we were going to be shooting in a school with lots of students. Um, and we realized right away that wasn't going to happen. The witch scene and the, the prologue with, with 15 women was shot just two days before the shutdown. And then it became a very intimate, um, sort of myopic uh, story. And I think that was good for us. It, it made us really honor the story itself.
3: And again, COVID was terrible for the world. and still is. But we were living in a trailer, towing our trailer around the country, kind of drifting. And there was nobody in any where we were. So we had all these beautiful places to ourselves because everyone was home and we went to stunning spots uh state parks national parks and we were alone so we could take out our camera and film and let nature be this wonderful actress for us and and she just delivered like we 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 just tried to keep up with what a fantastic actress nature was was being for us. And she really drives the film. The film is loaded with nature just rolling in, laying out an act and leaving. And it oh, really yeah. helps. So instead of a big crew and a big budget, uh, we just turned back towards that great actress.
1: And then, well, for it, because it sounds like Trey, you guys had to go back and forth with um, looking at, how was that? I mean, and by the way, yes, I love, I would say I love horror films right now that are using unconventional, what we wouldn't consider as being the the supporting or even lead, and that being either the music or, in this case, nature. And then I saw another one where it was really the university itself. And even though they may not have this vocal presence, they still are just as much as a lead character. But I would be curious, Trey, like as a oh. also you know working in this, how is that having to you know, not being there on set or being, having to just, you know, on two ends of the coast.
0: That's-, that's Honestly, awesome. I mean, the only, the only downside for me about not being on set is just as a fan of working with him and being with him, it kind of sucked to not be able to participate as much as I did on say, The Deeper You Dig in terms of like being in a production uh, and being there on the shoot days. That's why we're taking full advantage now. I'm like, I'm here as often as like they ever asked, just because uh, their sets are so awesome to be on. Um, but, you know, again, like the, you know, the lockdown and the, the way they shot it, it all reinforced the themes. I think it made, ironically, it made the, the Hellbender a stronger movie in and of itself because, you know, even though it kind of falls within the trappings of what you would think of as, you know, folk horror, there's this different, they they traveled the whole United States. So when she walks out of their house in the Catskills and takes a few steps into the woods, she's in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> and looking at these beautiful trees. And it all makes this perfect fairy tale sense You never question while you're watching the movie, but adds this kind of dreamy scope to it that I don't think it would have had if everything had gone as originally planned. And I like this film definitely wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the lockdown, uh, at least the way it exists now. And I think it's a, you know, um, from having the intimate endings to just having. You know, I was being asked to add effects to shots that were already stunning because they're shooting like next to natural geysers and stuff yeah. that are coming up. And it's like, wow, look, you did a lot of work. It's like actually, Mother Nature did like eighty percent of that shot. I'm just adding a little bit here. So it was a pleasure. I mean, it, you know, in that sense, it was it was hugely rewarding. But you know, the hardest part was just missing you know being around them and being part of the the actual process day to day. I would say um, from some of the filmmakers
1: that I've spoken with, you know. As yes, COVID it it was it is horrible as we're still kind of you know um, you know wading through it. But I mean, as filmmakers, though, did it open up more of create creative space for you in terms of where a story may take it or how you did want to shoot something?
2: I think so. There's that fun scene at the pool where um, Izzy and Amber meet. And that was improv. That was improvisation, and it was also reality. Was because uh, Lulu wasn't in our pod, and she had been teaching children, we were very careful. This was pre-vax era, mm-hmm. so um, Zelda really didn't want to be close to her. So she picked up that chair, she moved it six feet away, and she said, "I can't get close to people." And Lulu said, "None of us can." And it was like, oh, <laughs> That's 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 true. Um, oh, wow. Uh, and yeah, shooting with Lulu, it was, it was challenging. Uh, but we shoot a lot outside anyway. Um,
3: I think another thing that actually COVID, um, helped with this movie was because we weren't going to have a lot of actors and actresses and because we weren't going to be shooting in town or in restaurants or in anywhere with anybody, Mm -hmm. the next, the next besides nature. The next actress is going to be your audio, your sound, and I think that like we really leaned heavily on sound in Hellbender because we didn't have uh, you know an actress to roll in, so we needed to like like inflate the movie with something else, and I think it really helped to really say you know what. This movie's got to have great sound. We got to work really hard on this sound. It's got to be a like also another character in the movie. So it was a challenge and it was fun and it helped kind of drive a passion um for what what's it called sound design. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I'd love to talk about the soundtrack because that was that was fun. I huh. also enjoyed like watching them both watching you both play was just that was something else I would love to know about you know how that band came about and then you know just filming those scenes because I felt like I was in a in a different world because it just felt something I I loved that uh, with uh, Zelda with the makeup or Izzy with the makeup and it's beautiful
3: Toby's great about the makeup, because she played the biggest role in that. But um, I've played both me and the girls have had bands since they were little kids. Uh, Lulu and I had a band called the Hot Roses since she was four or five. And then Zala, we started playing, we became Kid California, when she was I don't know, six, and she started playing drums. But as they both grew older, they became more interested instead of playing instruments and singing, which was great. And they have very similar voices. And Toby also was kind of like, hey, I want to sing. And I was like, Toby's got a phenomenal voice. And the three of them together just work really perfectly together. So um, we became Hellbender. We became Hellbender, I don't know, three or four years ago. And um, and and it definitely influenced this movie. Uh, part of the, Besides Toby's story, Another reason that we made Hellbender was because we were making a Hellbender video and we made a couple editing mistakes that really looked cool. And this refers back to your question about color saturation. It was like an opacity era where suddenly there was all this beautiful color and we figured out the architecture of that mistake and it really played into the film. But, oh, the tribal makeup. I think you're best at answering that. Yeah,
2: we we had a lot of fun with that because we wanted it to – you know, have some some narrative heft. There's all there. There are meanings behind the makeup is it starts out with Izzy has tears where they also almost look like nooses, no matter depending on how you look at it. Um, mother has X's on her eyes and she just doesn't want to see the truth. Um, <coughs> hers or her daughter's. And then the next one, after uh, Izzy meets Amber, she has a star in her eyes. So she has stars in her eyes and the mother is like a bandit. And then the third one, I think Izzy, oh, her, she's, she just looks like a badass. To me, they look like tarantula fangs and she's yes. singing that ass. Yeah, I'm a motherfucking mountain. And my character has, Izzy's red, but it, there's an arrow pointing down to hell. Um, so. Yeah, there's we we love to infiltrate our films with all kinds of subliminal little messages that we hope will poke through for others. I didn't catch that, didn't... so
1: I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that just to make.
0: Ooh. <laughs> I gotta say too, the, like one of my favorite aspects of the the band performance, makeup and stuff. I don't even know if I mentioned it to you guys, but. Izzy's crown that has this sort of where the wild things are ah. you know she reminded me of max from where the wild things are which to me was like the perfect metaphor for her character and wanting to go on a wild rumpus and all that sort of stuff so like um i don't know how intentional it was but it, it's was such a cool image that ends up being on the poster so i, I just i had to point out that as well, a fan i love that I love now that, that he's crown, pointed the it out
3: now that he's pointed it out it was <laughs> intentional. <laughs> yeah we made to do that just a little reference to uh <laughs> i love that
1: uh, I guess uh, then with my final question then, uh, I would love to also know then where, uh, what do you hope to see next from the horror genre as it continues to, I feel, start to make a bigger presence um, mm-hmm. in the movie industry? I think, yes, we, we have, you know, our, our big um, blockbuster hits, but I feel like horror really kind of started to thrive during the past year and just recently at the box office.
3: I know what I want to see. I can't wait to hear what you guys want to see. But I I loved monster movies when I was a kid. And I would love to see a monster that thrilled me anew. So like maybe a monster that was conflicted that I can relate to instead of just a monster that's ripping people to shreds. I think the monster movie genre is where some more air can be blown in the balloon.
2: That's cool. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm excited that there are so many um, cool female, uh, you know, women directors out there. And, um, you know, you talked about VHS 94. I haven't seen it yet, but I've been in, newly in touch with Jennifer Reeder and I loved her <sighs> film Knives and Skin. And so I can't wait to kind of connect with her uh, in person, but I just think there's so many women out there making some really cool shit. And and, uh, and it would be nice to get to a place where I don't even think that it's a woman making it, you know, that that they're just women and men or, or um, whatever gender you desire to call yourself. I, just, I love the diversity that I'm seeing in horror. And it, even too, if you go on something like Crypt TV and something, there's great diversity in, in the shows out there. And for me, that's that's something that is really exciting.
1: I, I will say, um we have been very thankful to have a lot of female directors that we've got to interview. We did get to speak with Jennifer Reeder, who was an absolute delight. We have spoken with um, Chloe. And then recently, as of late, Gigi Sal Guerrero, who is just like this spitball that I just want to go drink tequila with. She's but yes, I am so happy to see more um, female directors be given a voice within horror because the tales that I just think that they can tell are just, we need it. I mean, I, I mean, I love horror, but I certainly, I see that we have room to be more diverse. Um, like just recently I, I did something where I spoke with the Vang brothers and in my 38 years I've never seen an Asian American horror story, so to see them present that and wanna um, represent that, I was like, that just you know that that sings to my heart. But yes, I would love more diversity as well. And so Trey, we'll let you end on this. Where do you want to see horror go next?
0: It, you know, it's so hard to say because I've been a, I've been fan long enough to know like the the popularity of the genre itself ebbs and flows, and mm-hmm. and so. Um, it's it's exciting as a horror fan when it ebbs because it's almost like Halloween. It feels like oh the rest of the world finally understands why I'm into all this stuff and then it dies back down and you're like look, that's a weird guy who <laughs> likes horror movies again. So um, uh, you know so I you know it's nice to see us kind of peak. I think one of the things that make a big difference now that's exciting is is having um, outlets like Shutter and stuff that not only I mean I'm I'm a, I'm guessing there's a lot of these. Films were out there, but they didn't have a way to find an audience until you had a venue like Shutter to kind of showcase not only little independent films, but but foreign films and and lost classics and things like that. That that even as a fan, half the stuff on Shutter, I'm like, whoa! I I remember reading about that in a Fangoria, you know, in the 80s, but I never knew I could see it. Like, and it's exciting to be able to kind of you know discover all these new little gems. So really just having the ability to find these hard-to-find films it's, it's kind of exciting when they're not as hard to find anymore so like that's the biggest thing is watching watching this the, these kind of mysterious little gems um suddenly pop up on my radar and and, and really kind like, of finally see them now so that's exciting yeah. cool.
1: No, that's, there are so many films that I've now seen because of Shudder, because I just never knew they existed, or, like you said, I've heard about them, I'm like, I I haven't been able to, I mean, I used to work at a video store, so I loved looking at all the, you know, VHS covers, and all that good stuff, so um, that's really awesome to hear, which, actually, I take that back, I do have one final question, do you all remember the first horror film you ever saw?
2: Hell yeah,
3: what's yours, Toby?
2: The first one I saw in a theater was Sleepaway Camp. I think I must have been 14. Um and I was visiting my friend in New Jersey. That's the way I got to see it cuz I don't think my parents would have taken me to one. And and I was I was pretty jazzed. It was exciting just knowing you were going to horror. That 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 felt um naughty and and, and it was fun. I, I mean, I love to sit in the theater and jump out of my seat and laugh and giggle. There, there's something wonderful about that that communal excitement and edge.
0: Oh, yeah. Jay, how about you? Um, well, I, I had grown up on Godzilla movies and even the Universal Horror movies when they showed them on Shock Theater at night. My, my parents would let me stay up late. But I, the, the movie viewing that kind of tipped me over into being a true diehard fan for the rest of my life was. Um, in 1981, that Halloween of 1981, um, I went trick-or-treating uh, with some friends. My parents took my younger brother out, and I came back home early. And um, I, I turned the TV after trick-or-treating all happy, waiting for my parents to come back. I'm 10 years old. And on regular television, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween comes on, broadcast for the first time on TV. And I was like, oh, Halloween, it's Halloween night. That makes sense. I'll watch that. And that thing, even edited for television and with commercials, I was utterly terrified like that the image of michael myers wandering a neighborhood that looked eerily similar to my own and made me feel like oh this isn't a castle on a hill this isn't some frankenstein monster this is this kid if i look at my window and i see that face i'm gonna freak <laughs> out you know so the idea that 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 horror could come home and be so both terrifying and thrilling at the same time. Like I had a hard time sleeping, but I was never happier from that moment on. Like that was, okay. that was the moment that I was like, I gotta seek every one of these movies out and find out what I'm missing. That's amazing. The first, the, the, the
3: movie, the first horror movie that I saw, I grew up in a rural place, so we didn't go to a lot of movies anyway. And uh, my soccer coach, when I was 11 or 12, took me to see a movie called Phantasm. And my mind was blown and I was terrified. And I did not sleep literally. I only slept from exhaustion for a year because the thin man was everywhere. Everywhere. Oh my God. I was looking for that thin man. <laughs> and, and then I went back to watch it just to be like, I got to go back and revisit. Is this any good? And I thought it was terrific. I thought it was an excellent movie
1: all those amazing choices um well uh, again thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me I again really appreciated the film I can't wait for more to see it I think again you guys did a beautiful job and I can't wait to see what you do next because that sounds so crazy and so amazing I just I'm sorry but a serial film or a serial killer family I mean that sounds like
3: fun (laughs) we agree and please i got to i I would love to see what you think about the sadness i i I am searching that out tonight
1: because that sounds also i'll go make some popcorn i'm gonna go honestly probably grab a beer and turn it on taiwan
2: right
3: it's (laughs) either taiwan or korea um but i think you're right i think it was made in taiwan right anyway yeah please let us know what you think I will. Well, again, thank you all so much. And then with that, I'll
1: say goodbye.
0: Peace. Thank Thanks you, much. You have been listening to the Horror Hour. See you next time.